0: Hello there, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist, personal trainer, busy mom, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm a former bodybuilder, and I currently have found a love for endurance sports, but I'm not your typical athlete. I believe there are many more contributors to athletic performance and overall health, and that we as a population might be doing it wrong. You won't see me pounding goose or chicken and rice, but you will see me in the pursuit to fuel not only athletic performance but also balance it with optimal health. This is not just a podcast for athletes. Many people that fall into the health scene get there for a reason. I found myself in suboptimal states at multiple times in my life, and it has really sparked my passion for metabolic and systemic health. I'm constantly a student of what I love, and now I hope to help others by bringing quality guests to the show to share their opinions and resources to hopefully help you formulate strategies to help you crack your health code. What's up? What's up? Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I'm really, really excited that you are here. Uh, Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Sarah Strange, which is hard to say for some reason, Sarah Strange. Uh, Anyway, Rob Wolf sent her my direction. He told me that They are great friends, and she's an awesome person with a ton of knowledge and thought she'd be perfect for my podcast. And I was like, heck yeah, I want to dive in and talk with anybody that has any knowledge in the health and fitness realm. So I jumped on this episode with her, and let me tell you what, new friendship kindled. What an awesome person. She has a ton of amazing things to say. So today we talk a lot about mobility and how so many people look at it from different standpoints, like Some people are like, oh, well, you're locked up here and you need to stretch this or you need to strengthen this in order to move that. And she looks at it from a little bit different of a perspective through a certification called Kin Stretch. So today we kind of talk about mobility and how and why it matters. This is a really awesome episode. I'm hoping that you enjoy it. Before I get going, I just want to remind you guys that you can stop on over at my website, www.connynightingale.com. I have a ton of great information on there. I've got custom coaching available or pre-made programs that are affordable for anybody. And don't forget that I also offer lab work on there. So if you guys want to get your lab work done and become an advocate for your own health, you can order that directly through my website, which is really, really great. So you just go to the lab work tab there and it will walk you through how to do it. If you have any trouble at all, I am happy to help anybody that wants to be an advocate for their own health. Shoot me a message. I would love to walk you through the process, help you get what's needed in order to start to optimize your health. So visit my website, www.connynightingale.com. Before I talk about that too much longer... Here is Sarah Strange. All right, Sarah, I'm super excited to have you on the show. Um, Our mutual friend Rob Wolf said that you are awesome and I need to get you on here to talk about all things fitness and mobility and staying healthy while training, which I think is super important because a lot of people get diving into the training realm and they end up getting hurt or they end up not incorporating things that are really important part of training, such as mobility and stretching and recovery. So today I think right. we're probably going to dive into all of that stuff and tell people how they can kind of, uh, have a more sustainable approach to fitness and not get injured and stay mobile.
1: Yes. Super.
0: That's what I do. <laughs> Yay. Exactly. I'm super excited to talk about it. So before we dive into this too far, do you want to tell my listeners a little bit about who you are? What you do, and what got you into all of this stuff
1: totally um sort of a jack of all trades. I started off um as a ballet dancer, so when I was younger, that was like what I was going to be, so I hit that with uh full steam ahead, did that for thirteen years um that's kind of where I started off with nutrition was just being you know having to kind of manage that body composition, so if you're not like a naturally super thin person, you um have to really work at it kind of like a figure competitor, which is very difficult because there's no off season. you just have to be constantly really low body fat. Um, so I did ballet for a while, then that kind of dovetailed into triathlons. And then that went into yoga and Pilates. I was a Pilates instructor in Boulder for a while. Um, uh, but it was a, it was at the physical therapy center for the U S ski and snowboard team. So they kind of already had that, uh, that's sort of where I started to get that mindset of we're doing, we're, we're trying to Improve our health and get stronger, but it has to be good for you. You know, like we're trying to fix people's issues. So the fix thing sort of started there. Um, then that dovetailed into me having lots of back problems that I picked up with dance. Trying to solve those, um, so I started doing some strength work. Um, and then that went into strength and conditioning. That's when I met Rob. Um, that started to go into CrossFit. That's where I met my husband. So we owned a couple of CrossFit gyms in Denver. And then wound up selling, moving to Chico to work at NorCal Strength and Conditioning. And then, so with NorCal, their whole thing was, as you, if you've listened to his podcasts, uh, it was trying to improve on that CrossFit system because there are great things about it. You know, like you can get in amazing shape. You can see some really great results, um, you know, kind of being a jack-of-all-trades beast, so to speak. But what winds up happening with CrossFit usually is people just get chewed up and spit out because they're doing things that they're not ready for. So we were trying to figure out a system of basically like um, we called them um, progressions, you know, rather than scaling. So we would figure out like, okay, so your goal is to do a clean. what do you have to have to do it clean? And so we were looking at it as like, well, you should be able to do X amount of body weight, you know, air squats and then X amount of squats with a certain weight. And that was kind of our system there, but people were still, um, you know, getting injured, not nearly to the degree of CrossFit. It was more of that nagging problem. Like, you know, yeah, my low back is just tight all the time, or my knees bugging me all the time, or my wrist hurts, uh, lots of shoulder problems. So then uh, my husband and our recent uh, other business partner in Chico um, discovered functional range conditioning, FRC and kin stretch. And so they got way into it. They're sort of deep down this rabbit hole. And I'm like, what is this? You know, like you're doing all these weird joint circles and stuff. And so I kind of bought in a little bit later, uh, but they went into the seminar and they came home and they're like we have to stop doing everything. Like we can't squat anymore. We can't do Olympic weightlifting. We can't do pull-ups. We can't press overhead. And I'm like, are you insane? Like what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) So that's where they started to explain to me. Like they go to the seminar and the guy says, okay, let's assess your hip. So what does this person want to do? Um, This guy wants to do Olympic weightlifting. So what's involved in Olympic weightlifting? Okay, you need to have a super deep squat with a pretty upright back. So you have to have a really good hip, really good knees, really good shoulders, really good back, pretty much a really good everything. Um, And so in the seminar, they take these people through a basic, uh, some of what they call the FRA, the functional range assessment. And they basically assess the joints in an extremely simple, but very effective way. And it's, I've never seen a system like this before, whatever, every system that I've ever come up against, they don't assess the joint, they assess the position. So like a functional movement screen, they look at a squat and they're like, okay, this guy's squat looks okay. You know, his knees are tracking over his toes. His hips are below his knees. His back is straight. You're good to go. What you're not seeing is all of the compensations that are happening for that person to pull off that position. So maybe this person has a totally crappy hip. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I swear a lot. (laughs) So if this person's hip doesn't have uh, a hip capsule, so they assess capsule space by looking at a joint's rotation. So if a hip doesn't have adequate rotation, it means that the capsule's too tight. So it just can't move freely in that capsule. It's super tight. If you have a really tight hip capsule, how do you think that's going to go? If you load that sucker repetitively with 300 pounds, especially at velocity,
0: Uh, I know how that's going to go
1: actually. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Poorly. I'm a prime example of that. (laughs) Totally. So when they break it down that way, it's like, Oh, duh. You know, like it just suddenly like clicks. You're like, no wonder, you know, no wonder so many people have hip problems. So for example, if you have a hip that doesn't rotate, a lot of people don't have internal hip rotation. Um, If your hip doesn't have good capsule space and doesn't rotate, Um, and then you load that sucker, it's going to drive compensation into the surrounding joints. So usually what winds up happening is back blowout because you've got so much torque and tension being shuttled into the spine to try to manage that load and try to keep your back straight. Like it should be easy for you to keep your back straight in a deep squat. You shouldn't be like fighting with all your might to do that. And if you just work and like take a little break do the time to restore capsule space voila suddenly you're not making your back angry when you do cleans or deep squats so this is like this time bomb i was telling you about before we got going here so they put this little seed of knowledge into you like you have to assess people's joints see what they've got do they have what's called fundamental joint motion so do they have capsule space if they don't have capsule space that's the priority restore capsule space but you can also figure out like what this person can do. It's not like it's this, oh, you can't work out anymore until you have X degrees of rotation. It's just, you can squat, but you're not going to do a full depth squat. You're not even going to do a power lifting full depth squat. Um, you're probably going to stop, you know, somewhere about, you know, this high. So you're going to be above parallel, uh, but you're not going to be hurting yourself. So you sort of look at a person's body and figure out what it's rated for. Uh, Those are called movement prerequisites. So we assess someone and we figure out what movement prerequisites they have and what they can do with that. So for example, you know, people that don't have shoulder flexion, you know, that they they get to here and then the rest of it comes from their low back or they start popping their head forward and doing all these tricks to get shoulder flexion. You can incline press all day, just don't overhead press until you restore that movement prerequisite. Um, Anyways, so we start applying this principle to ourselves and we start applying this principle to our clients and it just becomes magic. Like these nagging injuries and issues that people are having start going away and they start going away fast. Like it's not even like a, you know, I promise if you put the work in for a year, buddy, you'll get there. Like it really sometimes almost instantly people would just like, oh, I just did this pales contraction and my shoulder doesn't hurt. It's like, it's kind of amazing.
0: Wow. Okay. So I love all of this because, uh, you know, you probably don't know my story, but I, uh, I'm i not sure it was a combination of a lot of things, but I've always wanted to squat and I've never been able to be comfortable squatting. Never. Oh. And I've worked with a million coaches and everybody has something different to say about it. And in the end of the day, it still was not comfortable. So anyway, long story short, I was PRing on a squat, uh, a couple of years ago now, I think. Yeah. And uh, I went down and came up. It seemed like it was all fine. And then after that, I had like this extreme cramp going on in my acetabulum. And I was, oh. like, I was like, okay, what's going on here? And then it got worse and worse and worse. And I ended up, it didn't get better. And I knew it was something serious. Ended up going in and having to have a contrast eye MRI. You know that's how they look at that joint capsule, and they found out that my acetabulum was like almost a c shape like super mm-hmm. down, and my I had a cam lesion on the end of my femur, so those two things coupled together made it so I had zero range of motion in my joint capsule and here I was squatting and trying to squat all the time, and over time it beat up the top of my acetabulum and yep that gave away. And so it was a a recipe for disaster. Uh, and I was like, well, what could I have done about this? And they said nothing. It was a ticking time bomb. And so what do you How? So in this, how do you find out what a person's capabilities are and what they aren't? Because we're so, and that's the hard part about fitness, right? Is we are so, um, set on the fact that we can Fix this, or we can do that, or it's form. That's the reason you're not able to do this is because it's form. Right. And in some cases it's not, we're anatomically all so different that it's got to be really hard to find out how you can and cannot manipulate someone in order to get
1: them to complete a certain movement. Right. Well, that's what I love about this system is that it's so fucking simple that it's embarrassing.
0: (laughs) I like simple.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we're all smart ish people, right. You know, and I go to this seminar and these guys are very smart. I mean, they're super, super smart. They basically just poured over research for a long time and then developed a system, tweaked it a little bit, keep adding if new research comes in. But, um, all this time, all these things I've ever done, it's all about form, you know, and like, this is a biomechanically sound squat, you know, like if this person's squat doesn't look like this, they're going to blow up. If there's person, and so it's all about the movement standards, which again, that's kind of in some ways where CrossFit gets in trouble um, because it's, it, it isn't about the standards. The standards are the end goal. So you have to figure out where this person is now and then say, okay, well, these are the movement prerequisites that you need to do what you want to do. So we have to take you from where you are now to there. And so we use this thing called the functional range assessment. And it's, it's so simple. It's, it's re- really embarrassing, <laughs> but it's amazing what you find because I work with people um, from all levels of experience. I, I mean, even like Rob, Rob was a competitive power lifter, opened the first and fourth CrossFit affiliates and had just stopped deadlifting and back squatting. And we did a program with them that was actually not even as targeted because it was just self-assessments and uh like in their healthy rebellion we do like we'll host a little strength reset every once in a while and so it had the self-assessments in it and instructions based off of this self-assessment don't do this or do do this um and he'd been you know doing some kin stretch kind of working up to that and suddenly he's like deadlifting and back squatting again he's like hallelujah thank you <laughs> you know um so you do these really simple assessments. I run somebody through an assessment. It usually takes, uh, I'll do hour sessions, but it usually takes two, two sessions to get through the assessment. And you just run through every joint in the body. And it is, do they have capsule space? It's the first assessment. So we check rotation in all of the joints and it has to be pure rotation. So what you start seeing is how people will compensate and you'll start seeing somebody with a bad hip their hip they're very good at not using their hip they'll start doing all kinds of stuff with their back and pelvis and their knees and to not use their hip and they can't just use their hip you're like don't move that just move this and they can't do it and it's like okay so we have to restore capsule space so there's uh movements that we use that are super simple to restore that motion um and then we also strength train that motion. So kin stretch isn't just stretching, like it kind of sounds like. It's strength training. It's end range strength training. So they utilize um, a lot of different isometrics, so that you don't just become bendy, but you become actually really strong at the end range of that muscle and that joint. So we do the assessment. We assess fundamental joint motion. Do you have it? If past and move on to linear motion. So like somebody's knee, for example, um, has to have tibial rotation. So if the tibia is stuck and doesn't move, doesn't have capsule space, fixed rotation. If they do have rotation, then we say, okay, what's your flexion and extension like? And so I fail knee flexion. Um, so you have somebody lay flat on their stomach and bend their knee and they should be able to get their foot almost to their butt mine was like here. And as soon as I started to come off the ground, my hips would roll to the side away from that bending leg. So it's like, Ooh, you've got a lot of stuff going on in your quad. So I had to work to restore my, um, knee flexion. So then you start working on the linear stuff. Um, but then once you just fix the joint, ta-da! like stuff just works. So with you, we would have assessed your hip you probably wouldn't have had rotation. We would have worked to build that rotation and kind of open that capsule up a little bit. Every once in a while, though, you do run into somebody that's got like a funky shape, like a the femur and the uh, socket, they don't match. And so it just wears stuff away. That's not something that you necessarily fix with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's- but- that I was a complicated one, right? Cause then I had this cam lesion, which is a bone, basically a bone growth on the end of my femur to compound mm-hmm. the problem, which now it's fixed, right? It, they yeah. cut, went in and cut it all down and it's yeah. a year and it's still sore from all the bone cutting they did. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, they freed it up, but I think my other hip is probably in a similar, similar situation because, um, it's the one that's not mobile
1: still. <laughs> right well, we should try it on your other hip. That sounds good. Happy to show you the stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so it just, you know, you go through these assessments with folks and then you kind of figure out what they do have, you know? So it's like, well, how many degrees do you have? And you just take pictures and it's so simple. You show them the picture and it's like, these are the angles that you have, and this is what you can do. And this is what you can't do. Um, so for example, like one of the, uh, like the example you were using before with that, the, if the biomechanics and the movement standards are there, you won't hurt yourself. Um, there's somebody that's kind of famous for instituting a style of squatting, especially in CrossFit, where you torque. So you keep your, not torque, but torque. You keep your feet <laughs> pointing straight ahead, and then you drive your knees out. And so that is supposed to prevent valgus knee, where people get a lot of knee damage when they squat. Um, and then you are like, screw your feet into the floor and try to you know come back up. But essentially, if you can picture that position, what that position is, is an extreme degree of tibial internal rotation. So you torque that thing, literally, you internally rotate your tibia and spin that knee out. So for a lot of people that don't have knee capsule space and don't have internal knee rotation, they're loading a super intense passive stretch into their knee and then squatting with hundreds of pounds for reps on that blowing the knee up and so I, I had this guy come to me and he was like my knee is a mess you know I, I, it hurts a lot when I squat can't do any lunges anything like that so I said he's like I'm going to physical therapist and he's training my glutes and I'm like cool so I started assessing his knee and I'm like well you have zero degrees of rotation so your knee capsule is super tight I don't think it's your glute I think it's literally just your knee and then I said you know how are what kind of squatting are you doing how are you squatting He showed me a squat and I said, you see what you're doing? You're basically, you don't have active internal tibial rotation, but you are twisting that knee into that position and then loading it (laughs) light bulbs going off. You know, that's why your knee is super messed up. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it's simple.
0: (laughs) That's good. So where do you start when you do this? Obviously you start with an assessment. What does this assessment look like? Um, is there a guide on it? Is there a class on it? What do people look into if they want to get involved in something like this?
1: So if you just want someone to run an assessment, you find somebody that has a certification of FRA. Um, so there'll be an FRCMS plus FRA. So you have to go through their little ranks. You got to do the FRCMS first, and then you can branch off into kin stretch or FRA or both. Um because the FRC is kind of like their overall sort of principles and they want you to get that first before you go do the assessment session. Um, But it's a, you know, it's a, it's a seminar, basically, it's a weekend uh, seminar that you do. And then again, it's a lot of information and practical applications. So you learn how to do the assessments, you work with folks there, and then you're certified to do the assessments. Um, But if you just want to get an assessment, you just find somebody that is an FRA um, and then have them do it for you. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great. I highly recommend it. I, all of it, the FRC, the kin stretch to me, it's like, um, it should be the new foundation for everyone's training principles. Like if you train people, you should have this under your belt. Um, and that what we should be doing is doing away with movement standards and, figuring out who, which client we have, who are we working with? What are they, what are their goals? You know, like you, maybe you've got a baseball pitcher and he needs to have extreme shoulder external rotation and a ton of lead leg hip internal rotation. So you, I got to build this for you so that you can go pitch. Otherwise you're going to hurt yourself. Um, You want to be a CrossFitter. You're going to be doing all kinds of shit. So we have to basically get you rated to do all this stuff. But before you're doing that, you can do these things, you know, so you're, you're cool here. This is the depth that you can squat to, um, don't ever deadlift off of the ground. This guy, this guy has got a deadlift off of risers for probably another six months to a year until we build him some hamstrings and some hips. Um, this lady over here, you know, isn't rated to do pull-ups or like doesn't have elbow rotation. So she's going to get golfer's elbow from doing grip work and stuff like that. So you kind of match, the goals of the person with where they are, tell them what they can do and then how to, you know, give them the homework to get to where they need to be.
0: Okay. I'm totally down. Sign me up for this because I'm into <laughs> this kind of stuff and it's like something that I've been really interested in. Um, and, and I start, you know, the more and more you work with people one-on-one, the more and more you start to realize how diverse they are. I mean, like I have a strong man athlete that can't make his wrists supinated like he's stuck and so grabbing barbells doing like doing an underhand row is like he can't do it because he's he's stuck there right and um you run into people that can't like their their chest mobility isn't there their shoulder chest that whole area there they can't grab a barbell behind their head because the mobility is not there. And so all this stuff actually really super interests me. I just recently signed up, I'm going to be going to a powerlifting strongman and Olympic lifting conference um, where they're going to talk about, um, you know, mobility for power and different techniques and all these things. And I'm super excited for it. But now talking to you, I'm like, the funny thing is, I'm sure it's going to be like two different sides of that spectrum.
1: Yes. You know, who's a really good follow. Um, John Quint, he works with all the West side barbell guys. And he also works with some bodybuilders. Um, uh, and he's great. You know, like he, he, he's very good about like talking about like what he's doing and why, uh, and he's got a whole thing, especially with bodybuilding and figure that I think is like the hook. Like we had a bodybuilding guy working for us at, Bases basis in Chico. And it was like, I'm going to hook you with this little statement here. And it, it is basically that you can't train tissue that you can't move into. So if you're trying to develop someone's physique and they can't move to a certain degree, like you can't train that stuff. So if you build that person's capacity for movement and give them more tissue, basically by, cause you can, you know, build longer muscles by doing the right types of muscle training, um, now you have more access to more tissue to train to exhibit more of your, you know, physique, basically. So
0: that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you see a lot of people, I mean, myself included have been training for quite some time and you feel like you're at a plateau. And I mean, I'm a figure competitor, so you probably gathered that, uh, but our am was, were, I don't know how I describe <laughs> right. that. I'm kind <laughs> of in this phase of my life where I don't really know I, I don't know how I identify man, <laughs> but, but see, in all seriously though, like it's, it's um, you see people that get to this point where it seems like they don't grow. And so that makes a lot of sense that there, there's a certain capacity. If you can't train it a certain way, then yeah, you
1: can't, you can't move where you can't grow. move. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, yep. what is a basic? Are there some basic things that we can address without going through something like this that can all help us with our
1: mobility? Mm. Yes. Well, I think that over, there are some overall concepts that that kind of anyone can sort of grasp, um, and that is, I think, one of them especially is truly understanding that mobility is strength training. Um, well, it can be, it should be, uh, it's not about becoming bendier. Like you don't want to just be bendy. Like it's completely useless to be super flexible and bendy. If you have no control over it, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, it's just as dangerous probably as it is to be super tight. So what, what you want to do, the goal of your mobility training should be to have more access to more range in your shoulders, your hips, your spine, um, more space, like the more space you have, the better off things go, but you, you want to strength train that range of motion. So like, if I'm going to just, you know, randomly stretch my shoulder, I want to start strength training there. So what they do with all of their stretches is they add isometrics to it So you, you know, put the, put a muscle in a long position and then work. So, you know, you're going to do a contraction, resist, push against something so that you're strength training the muscle at the longest point, but then you're also going to try to pull back and strength train at the shortest point on the other side of the joint. So you'll basically develop, uh, so normally muscles have like a curve where they're strongest in the middle and kind of weak at the very ends of their range. So we try to kind of bump up that curve a little bit so that there's strength capacity throughout that range, especially uh, pertinent for athletes. So somebody who plays football, for example, some guys running past them and they're hoping to stop them. If they've never done any strength training back here, not going to go very well. But if there's strength training back here, they're going to have better chances of stopping the guy and not getting injured, stopping the guy. Um, so it's uh, you, you want to do it like strength training, as far as progressions, like you have to hit the same stuff. You have to, um, add more load, add more time, whatever it is in order for it to progress, just like strength training. Um, and you want to strength train those new positions. So what kin stretch does is it has a way of developing the range of motion, but it also strengthens that range of motion, Then they do all kinds of stuff in that end range. Um, They do a CARS routine, um, which is basically like these joint circles I was telling you about earlier that they all learned. That's a whole other thing I'll get get into in a second. Um, But they have a way of developing the range of motion and then a way of like owning it. So it's also about proprioception and developing joint independence. So if you just train positions all the time, like a split or, you know, a deep squat or whatever, you might be furthering those compensations. So like if you don't really have a good shoulder, but you just keep trying to train an overhead position to get a better overhead position, um, you might still be messing up your back. You might still be messing up your neck. But if you specifically train the shoulder to do things that a shoulder is supposed to do, like the good, you know, the rotation and then all of these positions without uh, without your scap doing all kinds of stuff, you basically train that joint independence um, and you want motor control. So like, if I say, you know, like with your, your scap, like I want you to be able to rotate, like elevate, depress, protract, retract and rotate. like. You should be able to have that cortical map in your brain of that shoulder blade. And it's like a little marionette, like you can do whatever you want to that joint, to all the joints in your body. It gets down to the spine is the coolest to me. You should be able to control flexion, extension, side bending and rotation independently in each joint of your back. So if I said, Connie, I want you to flex and extend or like do the Macarena with L4, you can be like, got it. And you can just move that little L4 <laughs> without moving all of your other spine bones. Um, and you, you develop that and it's pretty intense, but it's like what that does, it gives you brain space and it gives you that motor control. So if you don't have all of these tools and all of that information, um, like the specifics of how they do that, at least just knowing that I want to train joint independence and motor control over that joint. So just doing weird things that really specifically are only using the glenohumeral joint. Like what is this glenohumeral joint capable of without my shoulder blade, without my neck, without my low back rotating? Um, Can I strength train all of that range? Um, So you're owning the range, you're developing the range and you're strength training the range. Uh, And you're maintaining it every day. So the CARS routine helps you maintain that range of motion. Um, And so that is really like the, the, the essence of it is that it needs to have all of those components. It needs to have the neurological communication back and forth, good control. It needs to have strength through all of that range. It needs to specifically address what that person wants and needs to be doing with their body. So like a dancer needs way more than, um, you know, uh, a backgammon player. (laughs) Like, I don't know, just, you know, (laughs) there's a range of like what, who needs what.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think that that's kind of interesting because our body automatically does these things without us even knowing it because it's always right. super compensating for something it seems like so mm-hmm. it's it's really funny like when you take video of yourself doing a lift and it tattletales on you you're like okay i ran the checklist in my head and i thought this was all perfect and then i look at the video and i'm like damn it what the hell just happened there i don't even know yeah. because the body It just it's funny how your brain automatically calculates for things and changes it even when you're trying to do it all right so so Mm -hmm. how do you work past that when you're trying to do this these kind of practices with your joint space so that you know that you're doing them correctly and you don't
1: have your body over your brain overpowering your body well you use different different means of feedback um so video is one way that you can look and say okay i don't have the control i thought i did because this doesn't look anything like that um mirrors you know like the like dancing, you would never be able to dance without a mirror because you need that constant visual affirmation that I'm moving the way I think I'm moving. You can use um, techniques where you'll block yourself. So, for example, like in a shoulder car, um, you know, we try to get people to rotate their shoulder without moving. And what they always find up doing is this. So, people want to reach behind themselves. And they actually can't do it, but rather than just admit that they can't do it and move out to the side, they go, I got this over here. And so you can block them. Like you can put a yoga block or something on their body or hold them so that they can't actually move. Um, When it comes down to moving the spine, you can use tactile feedback like a wall or the floor or a buddy or a band or anything to kind of like, don't move this, but just move this. And so they have to keep pressure here, but then they have to move under the finger. So there's all kinds of different ways, you know, tactile, visual, uh, but yeah, they do, you need some kind of reinforcing. Otherwise it just, uh, you just further your own. It's like those memes, you know, this is what I think I look like. This is what I actually look like.
0: (laughs) That's funny. So like how much time could a person expect to dedicate to this per day? Is it highly individualized? Is there a practice that is involved? Like
1: it just depends. Um, uh, I always like laugh when people ask that. Cause like, uh, Dr. Spina, the guy, one of the guys that invented this whole thing, he's hilarious because he's very snarky, but he'll say like, somebody will come to me and they'll say, well, I only have, I only want to dedicate 20 minutes a day to this. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you, but it takes what it takes. You know, <laughs> like it just, if you need a new shoulder, like you're going to have to put some time in, <laughs> um, So it's kind of like the time investment is like distance traveled. So the sooner you need a shoulder, the more time you got to put into that shoulder. Um, But it can it it also just depends, like when you're dealing with injury and pain and uh, neurological stuff, like when you have spasm and neurological protection going on frequency is really good so like really frequently dropping in and uh they have a technique that kind of loosens up neurological tightness it's a certain type of isometric it's it's like money um but that like really frequently like when i was pregnant i had I, the minute i get pregnant i get plantar fasciitis because my little ligaments start to go and my feet are like fuck this and it's horrible <laughs> like it's the first pregnancy i had the whole time my feet were awful And so the second time I started to happen right away and I started to do these pales contractions. So I would put my, you know, my, my smaller toes into a stretch like this, and then do a pales contraction where I push and I resist against the stretch. So lengthen the muscle contract. And then that would relieve the tension, got rid of the plantar fasciitis. And that was my trick. Same thing with my spine, my low back would start to hurt once I would get to a certain degree of protrusion. So I would do these cat cow kale. So you get up into that arch and then you push your hands and knees away from each other on the floor and it makes your back contract in the long muscle position, got rid of the, the pain, but I would have to do it like hourly. So if I did it hourly for a few days, the spasming and the pain just went away and then I could just drop in and do it, you know, like as needed sort of. Um, so I guess the answer is that it depends and it depends on how, how many things you need to work on and how severe they are. Um, And then how badly you want to do what it is that you're being prevented from doing, you know?
0: Absolutely. I love that. It depends answer. I use that answer a lot for a lot of things because it totally does depend. I get questions about nutrition. I get questions about all sorts of things. And I'm always like, well, it depends. Like, I'm not you. You're not me. I can't, you know, there's a lot of information involved in this. So, so I love that answer. That's a great one. Um, so like, are there video resources that listeners can go check out? What would be the next step of action as far as learning something like this? Um, do they find somebody that is
1: involved with it? What's the best next step? So like, if you're a coach, I would say, just sign up for the FRC, just do it. Um, it, like I said, it has been hands down the best tool in all of the years and all the things that I've done. Um, uh, And it's just, it's a supplement, but it's like the, it turns you into a little bit of a therapist. Like you start to kind of understand um, how to fix people and help people and get them where they need to go. And it rounds out your strength training because regular strength training is just linear movement for the most part. And joints need more than that. So you start learning how to strength train in different ranges, um, and in different positions. So another thing that they always say is like, if you're just training named exercises all the time, (laughs) you're failing yourself. Like you need to figure out like my shoulder sucks at this. So I need to train this, um, And that's doesn't have a name, but it's like, that's where you're bad. So you need to fix that stuff. Um, Anyways. So if you're a trainer do just sign up for the FRC MS seminar, they were doing online stuff with COVID, which is actually kind of nice because you don't have to travel and deal with all that stuff. Um, But if you're not a trainer and you don't feel like dealing with all of that whole layer of stuff, find somebody that is practicing this stuff. Um, Part of the problem is they don't have a ton of follow-up quality control. So they just give you these knowledge bombs. And like I said, some of the people go get their FRCMS, but it's too much of a pain in the butt for them to sit down and figure out how that's going to change everything that they've been doing. So they just don't deal with it. So they have that behind their name, but you go work with them and they're like, they, it's like they never even took the seminar. Mm. Usually if somebody has a couple certs underneath their belt, you can tell that they're into it and they're probably using it. Um, you could even call and ask them, you know, like, do you use this stuff in your training? Um, and then go try to get an assessment. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like whenever somebody comes into our programs, whether it's personal training, online stuff, remote coaching, um. I always recommend just do an assessment first, you know, like bite the bullet, spend, spend the money on the, you know, three hours basically, because we'll do two hours of assessment and then usually an hour of teaching them the homework they need to do. Um, and then we'll send them videos so they can remember it and like a whole little assessment thing. But then from there, whatever they do, whether they do our stuff or someone else's stuff, that you have that information of like, this is what my body is rated for, <laughs> this is what I should be doing. And this is what I want to do. And then this is what I need to do to get there.
0: I love it. So how do people find you then? Uh, because it sounds like maybe that could be a great part
1: of this resource. <laughs> right. You can work with me. Um, I, uh, well, you can reach out to me with my email, which is um, Sarah with an H, S-A-R-A-H at basis, like daily basis, H-P as in health and performance.com. Um, our website, if you just want, is basis hpny since we split off and moved to newyork.com uh, and yeah reach out and i will get you get you going on an assessment I love it. I love it. So do you have social media where people can give you a follow and things like that too? I do. I'm really bad at it. My husband is way better. He <laughs> has a way for interesting Instagram account. Um, he is, he's Grayson strange is my husband. He's a, he's like strong and sexy and like does stuff and puts stuff on Instagram every day. I am so bad at it. Um, Let but me he... join you
0: in this club. I'm horrible at Instagram. <laughs> I try so hard, but I'm so bad. <laughs>
1: Oh, it's so it's tough. Like you have to just really reorganize, like how you do everything where it's like, okay, I've got to post something. What's it going to be about? And I just, I can't check into that space. It's really hard for me to, to go there. <laughs> um, but he is strange. I think it's strange Grayson or strange dot Grayson, something like that. It's a picture of a dog with sunglasses. It's our dog. Max. <laughs> He's very interesting. He does all kinds of like, um, strong man, k- lots of kin stretch stuff. Um, So you can kind of get some ideas about like what, you know, like what's going on. He's really good about, he'll do a post where he'll show you what strength training thing he's into and then what stuff he trains from a kin stretch perspective to help out with that movement. Um, so yeah, his, his stuff is really good. I am Sarah strange 33, but I'm the most boring Instagram account out there. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, at least you're honest about that. Well, so if there's anything that you could leave
1: the listeners today with, what would it be? Mm. Uh, it's that you can do anything that you want to do. You just have to figure out who you are and what you have and then how to like what the path to integrate that is. like, if you don't take that step, and you just pretend that you are this thing already and just get in there and start doing CrossFit, start doing whatever, all bets are off. Like it's, it's, it's sketchy. Like you're, you know, and you can't assess somebody like movement screens just don't really work because the body is this amazing machine at compensating. I always say your body is like a terrible credit card. That's just like 0% interest. But then like two seconds later, it's like, how did they get to 35%? What happened? (laughs) It'll let you do things. And then it will charge you an astronomical fee later. So, um, you know, figure out who you are, figure out what body you have. And then it's very simple. It's not that hard. Somebody like me can help you do that. And then from there, move into what you want to do with knowledge and health and, way less chances of, you know, there's nothing that's bad. Like CrossFit isn't going to hurt you if you're prepared for it. That's the problem is that CrossFit as an organization is absolute dog shit at preparing people to do CrossFit. (laughs) So, you know, you gotta, you gotta prepare and then you're good.
0: Sarah, speaking the truth here. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's well, taken a long time to get here, you know. I'm old now, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, it's really been fun. You've given us some great information. I'm hoping my listeners will pop on over, visit your guys' stuff, look a little bit more into this kin stretch stuff because I think that it could probably be beneficial in anybody's training.
1: It is. Yet, it, it's like the foundation. Awesome. Well, I'm
0: thanking you so much for joining me and maybe we'll do a repeat next time.
1: Totally. Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: I can't find the record button. Well, guys, I hope you were able to grab a few pearls out of the talk with Sarah and I. I know I certainly did. I'm really thankful that she spent some time to share her wisdom with us. Definitely drop into the show notes and go add her on Instagram, social media. Look into what she's got going on because it's really, really good stuff. And I will also tell you that I did go to Kin Stretch. I did look into their website. There is a way to look up practitioners in your area. So if this is something that interests you or you may have a struggle with mobility in some way, shape or form, it looks like they have a great network of people and and it's easy to find from the website. So definitely go to their website and check that out as well. If you did get pearls from this episode or from any of my episodes, please share with your friends, share with your family, share it on social media. Those shares help keep me going. They are very important to me. And I really appreciate everybody that you tell about this podcast. Also leave me a review on Apple podcasts or iTunes. Those reviews are very important in helping other people find this podcast because without them, I do not show up in the review rankings or in the search engines. And I'm just kind of hidden. So share me, share me, share me. That helps out so much, helps get this information out to other people. And I really appreciate it. Anyhow, guys, I really enjoyed spending my time with you on this Monday and I'm looking forward to seeing you next Monday.